Amy Felcher. Welcome to the Village Oak Tree for November 22nd, 2023. Hello again. My name is Terrence O'Donnell, and I'm back again this week with more news and something else in the second half that I hope will get you get you going and make you think about things for a while. So, as always, this podcast is available in every ma- major podcast app. It's available in Cronabeja and Substack and Cronabeja on, on, channel on the YouTube. So, I still haven't done anything beyond free subscriptions. Still got a donations page on RSS and on my website at cronabeja.com. And if you feel generous enough to support my work, I'd really appreciate it. And as always, share the podcast if you like it with anybody you can, uh, just so we can get information out there and uh, let people know what's going on around the world. So I'm self-professed Sean Kay and a Gaelic storyteller. And I want to feel like we're underneath the village oak tree and me bringing you stories from the outside world. So each article I give you is available and in a paywall on medium.com, a not a paywall in substack.com, and free on the blog section of my website. I have a commercial during the break. It talks more about my website and what's in it. So in the second half, I'm going to be all over the place with the ills of the world right now. There's more on the Palestine-Israeli war and more on war in general and other places around the world and a lot of other bad things that's going on. Mostly about genocidal behavior in a lot of ways. So, my stories this week, I have a lot of climate change, environmental articles, a couple of social injustice, political stuff, um, the, you know, the usual, but I will say that the majority of them are climate this week. My first one, U.S. aims to speed heat pump manufacturing using Cold War era law by Tiffany, Timothy Gardner in Reuters.com. So finally, some progress towards green energy. But of course, the fossil fuel industry is criticizing the move with no real reason other than they don't like it. We all know the reason. They would stand to lose millions of dollars if the U.S. got rid of their fossil fuel home heating systems. Think about it. All all the New England and Northern Tier states, if they got rid of their number two fuel boilers, it would cost the fossil fuel industry millions and maybe billions of dollars. From China's emissions to Australia's offshore wind farms, things are moving on climate, some even in the right direction, by Adam Morton in TheGuardian.com. So there's, and this is a quote, there is, un, there is an unprecedented global swing towards solar and wind power underway, unquote, as he says in the opening sentence right here. The author talks about the COP28 conference in Dubai this month and how certain countries are actually making a good start on getting off fossil fuels and on to renewable energy sources. Of course, the U.S. is sadly lacking. And, you know, Biden is trying, but the fossil fuel industry in the United States is so entrenched, they're going to fight it tooth and nail any way they can. And, of course, you know, I mentioned this last week, and there's more news on it. Another oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico here in the southern part of the United States. Really sad, and, and they still want to, they still want to kill us with it. Coal use needs to be slashed seven times faster to meet emissions target, analysis finds. And this is from Anmar Frangul in CNBC.com. 
a report from the State of Climate Action 2023 doesn't paint a very good picture for the world trying to come together to keep the climate below 1.5 degrees centigrade. After this weekend, it looks like that ship has sailed anyway. And I've got, I've got some more information on what I mean there. Just wait for it. U.S. military says national security depends on forever chemicals by Patricia Keim in KFF Health News. And this kind of, I got this out of USA Today. With all the technology at their disposal and a mega budget, the U.S. Department of Defense is stating that they have to continue using these forever PFAS chemicals because so much of their warfighting technology uses it in this construction. Sounds like an excuse to maintain the status quo and keep contributing to more disabled veterans and civilians who live near the military bases. And that's basically what this stuff mounts to, causing cancer and all kinds of ills, um, but just by having it around. But yet, DOD says, now nah, we can't afford to make a change. All our stuff is full of it. New research makes it harder to kick the climate can down the road from COP28. Without immediate emissions cut, Global temperatures will breach the Paris Agreement's goals sooner than expected, scientists say. Despite decades of warnings, we're still heading in the wrong direction. By Bob Berwin in Inside Climate News. So there's more news about the 1.5 centigrade Paris Agreement is now essentially void. We already passed that, and it's climbing. This is more about what I mentioned here, this story uh, about the Gulf oil spill. U.S. Coast Guard seeks source of some 1.1 million gallons of crude oil in the Gulf of Mexico from Reuters. So if you don't think we should move away from fossil fuels, here's another reason for you. The Gulf of Mexico is reported to be one of the most polluted areas in the ocean world due to all the fossil fuel industrial infrastructure on the U.S. coastlines and underwater. Does anyone remember the big BP oil spill a few years ago? Well, now there's another one. So how many of them does it take for the world to say no more? So now I've got a couple of stories on the, on the Israel-Gaza thing there. This one is another article from Chris Hedges in Substack.com. Israel is shutting down its human laboratory in Gaza. Israel uses Palestine's imprisoned in Gaza as human guinea pigs for its weaponry and technology industries. So this is a very scary article, as one commenter said. And they have been following this journalist for years, so there is no doubt to its truthfulness. Is this where the, U the world is heading for? It's certainly starting to seem like it. This article talks about the Israeli arms manufacturing industry and just how much nation states have come to depend on it now. There's some really, really bad stuff in this article, and I'm going to post it on, in the newsletters, and hopefully some of you folks will be able to read it. My next one is an article in the news. When it comes to the Israeli-led war on terror, follow the money. Israel is embarking on a war on terror that will benefit its military-industrial complex but will have devastating consequences by Anthony Lowenstein. And this came out of aljazeera.com. So this opinion piece pretty much confirms what a lot of us have been saying in the last month or so. For Israel, it's about revenge and money. This author talks about the burgeoning arms manufacturing news technology from Israel pumping up new wars all over the globe. Then there's a strong suspicion that the Israeli government officials are prepping to make themselves billionaires with the, build, the building of the Ben-Gurion Canal between North and South Gaza and all the oil and gas under and off the coast of Gaza. As he says, follow the money. 
The Hamas attack opened up more opportunities for rich Israelis, and they covered them up with lies about Hamas atrocities. Parallels to the American way of waging war is very scary. And I've got more on that in the second half. Palestinian Americans face fear in violence amid Israel's war on Gaza by Rice Tebow. And this came out of the Washington Post. This story from the U.S. Bigoted, ignorant Americans attacking Palestinians for being Palestinians because they want to sympathize with the Jews. This is no different than the backlash right after 9-11. Why can't Americans learn to be more tolerant of other humans? And this is a story that's coming right out of Israel. Quote, these are biblical lands promised to us, unquote. Jewish settlers in West Bank hope Gaza conflict will help their cause. Human rights groups say settlers, empowered by their right-wing government, are exploiting the Israeli-Hamas war. And this came out of the Guardian.com world by Jason Burke. So how is it that these people are trying so hard to return to their, their world to pre-Christian times? Don't they know that the world has changed since then? How much are they like a lot of American Christian evangelicals who believe the world belongs to them? In this case over there, the West Bank settlers think that all of this Israeli territory from north to south and everything in between belongs to the Jews It was as was given to them in their ancient texts. And they're all about taking it. European nations, and I'm going to switch gears here, okay? This one goes back the other side of the world. But it talks about the same thing, genocide. European nations joined Myanmar genocide case. The case at the UN's top court accuses Yangon of committing genocide against people belonging, belonging to the Rohingya community. So I, I mentioned this several, several weeks ago about how badly what used to be Burma is now called Myanmar is, is committing genocide and treating these people so badly, shoving them out of their country and making them live in refugee camps that are worse than you can imagine. And now it's ramping up again. And this article came out of Al Jazeera. Five European countries and Canada have joined up in the genocide case at the ICJ that accuses Myanmar of committing genocide against the majority Muslim Rohingya. The case was filed back in 2019 by Gambia. Since so many countries have signed, with a notable exception, the U.S., maybe something will finally be done to help these poor stateless peoples. Well, we can only hope, because they are in very bad shape and getting killed. Myanmar says that these people are committing terrorist acts against them, and we all know that's a bunch of BS. International backlash grows after move to strip Guatemalan, Guatemalan president-elect's immunity by Brendan O'Boyle. And this came out of Reuters.com, World Americas. A little story, it's a little story on the back page of Reuters that could mean serious implications for democracy around the world. If a corrupt attorney general in a little country like Guatemala can decide who will be president over the will of the majority of the voters, imagine what someone like Donald Trump will do in the United States to become president again. He's, and you know, Donald Trump has already said what he's going to do, and it's really scary. You can just, you can just forget democracy if he gets elected. But Guatemala, on the other hand, they're starting to move in that direction. Argentina elected their new president this week. And he's moving in an anti-democratic direction, and it's starting to go. The world needs to watch out. 
So this one also from South America, and I'm sure everybody's heard about it by now. Taylor Swift postponed scorching Rio de Janeiro show after fans' death by Marcella Aries and Pilar Olivares. This came out of Reuters.com, but it's been all over the news. So when the climate is so hot, concert goers start dying. Taylor Swift postponed the concert, which was the right thing to do in a 139-degree Fahrenheit heat index, but is a concert really the right thing to do in the first place when you know how hot it's going to be? Maybe all that energy could be used for something a little more useful and constructive, like saving the planet, maybe. Just say it. And I wrote, you know, I, I came up with this when it happened immediately over the weekend. But the big thing is there's been a lot more articles out there about this. And I read another one basically saying the same thing I just did, that maybe her energies could be devoted more towards saving the planet a little bit more. She's got a huge platform around the world. And pretty much anything she says, people are listening. If Maybe she should think about that. Research underway aims to make wildfire evacuations smoother. Work will focus on three cities in British Columbia interior and two towns in Alberta by Julia Wong in CBC News, Canada. Canada's western provinces are switching gears now. It's become not so much as prevention anymore, but planned evacuations now. They know that more fires are coming, so it's all about preparedness for mass evacuations because they know they will be coming from now on. It's unfortunate, but it's it's ever more truthful with the warming climate. We all know that, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, fires are ravaging everything like you crazy. And so now Canada's just saying, well, they're here. Nothing we can do to stop them. Might as well just get ready. Now we're going to go back across the world. This one's from North India. I picked this one up yesterday. Climate change. The villagers building 100-foot ice towers in BBC.com. Pictures and story by Arati Kumar Rao. A story of how a northern Indian village 3,000 feet up into the Himalayas has learned a simple trick to manage their water that's now dried up due to climate change. Since the glaciers have retreated, they learn how to grow ice mounds and provide water during their warm weather months now. This is how people can use some simple methods to adapt to a warming world. And basically what somebody did was somebody introduced them into building really, really big ice mounds in the winter months and then just letting them slowly melt, almost like glaciers. And it's working for them. It's simple, but it works. And this is another article that I picked up yesterday. And this one here in the United States. As the CEO of Land Lakes, she's changing the rules of American farming by Alicia Wallace and CNN. So a well-known American Dairy Corporation CEO is sticking to her guns about sustainable farming in Midwest America with the support of the farmers that they do business with, despite GOP opposition. Some good news for a portion of the American farming industry. I just hope the ideas can spread even further than their region and where they get their stuff. If more and more of these Midwest farmers are get on board with this, we might actually be able to save some a lot of the climate here in the United States and actually grow our food again. A split emerges as Biden struggles to deter attacks on U.S. troops. So back overseas again, and this is the United States and only has minimal to do with Gaza at this point. So what's going on? Because of the Israeli-Hamas fight, Iran has stepped up attacks on American bases. 
Frustration is building within the Defense Department, officials say, over the surge in Iranian proxy attacks on American military positions. This from Alex Horton, Dan Lamoth, and Abigail Hausliner. And this came out of the Washington Post. There seems to be some fear that American soldiers' lives may now be at risk in Iraq and Syria and their remote outposts. Iranian militants are firing rockets and flying deadly drones nearly every day now to dislodge Americans from the region after the Hamas-Israel war started. Will the U.S. go on the offensive if a soldier gets killed? That is the split in the Pentagon. The Warhawks want war. The Saner heads want to keep the status quo. Who's going to win out? Time will tell. Argentina's Mille must apologize to Lula for offensive comments, Brazil minister. But I got this from Reuters a few days ago. Interstate troubles are already brewing between Brazil and Argentina as a newly elected president apparently has no problem throwing public insults around. Then becoming BFFs with Bolsonaro. He definitely doesn't have a good reputation. It doesn't look good for the people of Argentina right now, despite the overwhelming majority of the people who voted for him. And that's, there's been a lot more stories about this guy being elected. Um, he wants to cut ties with China and Brazil, and he wants to adopt the American dollar rather than the Argentine peso and do all kinds of crazy stuff down there. So now the question is, how long is he going to last? This one goes over to Europe. German government faces budget crisis by Jens Thoreau. And it's called the German government is at a breaking point over 60 billion euro hole in its budget. That's because the Constitutional Court has ruled that a financial maneuver on climate mitigation policies is illegal. And I got this one from the DW.com. It's a German newspaper. From this German news media, it seems that the German government is in a pickle over excess funds for COVID. They wanted to use them to take care of the refugee problem, but their constitution won't allow it. Now they're coming up short, and the different coalition factions can't agree on what to do. The only reason I added this story is it shows how badly Europe is suffering under the constant onslaught of refugees from Africa and the Middle East. No one has the resources to take care of so many now, and this has caused a lot of friction between political parties and nations. It will only continue to get worse as all of these peoples from outside the EU scramble to get in, thinking that Europe will give them a better life. That dream is now turning into a nightmare for a whole lot of them. And this is Social Injustice from Portugal. And this came out of Reuters.com Europe. Hundreds of Portuguese police raid farms in human trafficking crackdown. Portugal is cracking down, but it's but it's more about the changing world. Police have found thousands of migrants working in agriculture jobs as modern-day slaves, trafficked from the Southwest, Southeast Asia, Africa, and pretty much everywhere, anywhere they can get them from. Portugal isn't the only country with this problem. It's only going to get worse as the world's wealth gap increases. And I have another social justice article. This is my last one for the day. Kansas school forced Native American student to cut his hair, ACLU says, by Pravina Somasundaram. And this came out of the Washington Post today, or yesterday. In itself, the story wouldn't really mean much outside of the school district, except it violates a student's civil rights. And it really doesn't mean a whole lot outside the United States. It's another story that has roots in America's racist past. 
white people still think that the Indian must be removed out of the body in order for them to be good little Americans. When will they ever learn? Of course, this also happened in a notoriously red conservative state. And that's, that's the big thing. America just can't seem to get past this racist past. And they stir, are still pulling stuff like this. Again, this is the end of the first half. I'm going to take my break. I've got a two-minute commercial for you here about my website. And I appreciate it if you'd stay tuned for my second half. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. I want to take this break to bring attention to my website, crownthebeha.com. Just type in www.crann-na-beatha.com in your browser and search for it. You may also use the link in the newsletters on medium.com, substack.com, or the podcast transcripts on rss.com to find it for the first time. The name is Gaelic, and it may be a little hard to find unless you know what you're looking for. Then bookmark it if you wish to return. I also have the RSS feeder enabled, so if you like my blog posts, you can get a notice whenever I post something new. Search for cronnabeha.com in your RSS feeder. Users finding the website for the first time will reach the welcome page to learn a little bit about what's inside. There you will see the homepage link where you can learn a little more about what Kronabeha means for a little bit of Irish culture and a little more about me in general. On the menu bar at the top, there are links to a blog section where I post podcast newsletters, blog articles, stories, and poems, a drop-down menu with links to both podcasts, a donations page, an ad page for my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. Everything I write is available in the blog section of my website for free. If you like what you see and are feeling generous, feel free to leave a donation and or a message in the comment page anytime. I'll respond fairly quickly within reason. Enjoy the music, and I'll be back with the second half shortly.
Welcome back to the second half of the Village Oak Tree. After a month and a half now, in which the world has largely had a front row seat to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, we've all been witness to the lies and sideways propaganda coming out of Israel and the United States. I posted two editorials as well about the Gaza war in the last couple of weeks, and I will talk about it some more in the coming weeks. I recently started reading and listening to Chris Hedges, a noted American Middle East journalist, and he's opened my eyes to a whole lot of things that the West is not being told about. Some of it deliberately by the governments previously mentioned, and the rest by mainstream news media so afraid of the government boogeyman that they won't publish what's really going on. It doesn't help that the Israelis are killing Palestinian journalists left and right, and a lot of UN workers too, for that matter. So here are examples of what the general public is not hearing about. Israel's war on hospitals. Israel is carrying out a campaign to make Gaza uninhabitable. This campaign includes destroying all of Gaza's hospitals. The message Israel is sending is clear. Nowhere is safe. If you stay, you die. By Chris Hedges in his Substack.com um, pages here. And it's a good article, and it will definitely it's a definite eye-opener for anybody who reads this. Um, that's a lot of what's not being told through Western media. Decades of U.S. war crimes led to what Israel is doing in Gaza. Israeli forces are emulating what the U.S. did in Mosul, Fallujah, and elsewhere. But it's harder to hide now. By Medea Benjamin and Nicholas J.S. Davies. And I got this from Salon.com. So how many people know of the U.S. war crimes committed in Iraq and Afghanistan? Everyone may remember the Abu Ghraib prison scandal that the world accidentally found out about. How about the massive tonnage and bombs and artillery that wiped out people by the thousands? And the United States has committed war crimes in other countries for decades and used their influence, especially in the UN, to make the crimes appear as if they didn't happen. Or slacked over them and said, yeah, it's okay. Israel is mimicking them now, but social media is hindering that. Here's another article I picked up today. Israeli failures, U.S. charades, and a negotiated truce. The temporary ceasefire suggests Israel and the U.S. are nowhere near wiping out Hamas. By Moen Rabani, co-editor of Jadalia. And I got this one from Al Jazeera. So I added this in, as I said today, since Hamas and Israel came to an agreement last night about a four-day ceasefire to exchange prisoners and allow humanitarian aid into Gaza. But, as he writes here, what's next? Will the U.S. continue its facade of caring for the Palestinians or go back to supporting the Israeli intent to destroy Hamas? As I mentioned last week with another story, what's the end game for the United States? Israel is so divisive within its government factions that it's anyone's guess as to what their eventual game will turn out to be. Now the world waits for the next part of the show here after this four-day ceasefire. And that's, that's the big thing about what's going on over in Israel right now is that they have manipulated media. The governments have basically said, this is what we want you to publish, and we don't care, and you're going to do it or else, so on and so forth. And this is what the Americans did in a 20-year war in Afghanistan and Iraq. They did the same thing to the news media there. They told American news media and some, some other ones around the world, but mostly Americans, that this is what you're allowed to publish. And, you know, I've mentioned this before. America is supposed to be the land of free speech and unbiased journalism, freedom, you know, freedom restrictions, but that's a lie. So I'm going to go 
to something here. This is something that happened in 2011. So how about the British SAS executions in Afghanistan in 2011 that they're trying to cover up? And I brought this in because of Britain's recent deal with Ireland, Northern Ireland, about we're not going to we're not going to pass the legacy bill. So that means that all the atrocities committed during the troubles are going to be swept underneath the table and Northern Ireland is not allowed to prosecute any British soldiers. So this one here, top general locked away evidence of SAS executions. And I got this out of BBC.com by Hannah O'Grady and Joel Gunter. More evidence that the West has and is trying to get away with violating treaties made regarding the rules of war as it suits them. The old playground rules we learned the hard way from the bullies on the playground as kids. Rules don't apply to me as I am bigger and badder than you. There are a lot of writers and journalists out there, notably a bunch of them on Substack, that are not afraid to write about the atrocities and deliberate lies and misinformation is being made public. I may not have much of an audience to this podcast yet, but I want to use this platform to repeat what I'm learning from any non-stream news, news media that becomes available. Journalists like Chris Hedges, you know, they get to have fancy sound studios and crews to help them with their news podcasts, and that's a good thing. Myself, I'm just a simple retired soldier in a home studio trying to learn all I can and pass it along to whoever will listen. I want to think I'm making a contribution to the point out all this madness, and I'm hoping I'm able to bring some truth to light as I find it, since I offer everything for free. Free subscriptions to my Substack to listen to these shows for the first month, and free access to my website with no cable TV costs. I also don't want to just focus on the Israeli-Palestine war either with every episode of this podcast. There are so many other conflicts similar to Gaza and other parts of the world right now. As I mentioned in the first half about the Rohingyas, they've been between states for decades, and Myanmar is trying to uproot them again, ethnic cleansing, as, as some people would call a genocide. The trouble is, no one really wants to help them within their borders. They are running out of places to go without some countries trying violently to get rid of them. It's not just the not must Myanmar. Bangladesh doesn't really want them. Indonesia is kind of accepting them, but there's there's some issues there. So as I said, the Rohingyas are very very poor, living in really bad places, and running out of places to go. Now we come back to the United States because the southern border is also heating up again. Southern border conflict in the United States is ongoing, and now it's getting worse. The Texas, gov Texas governor has now powdered, empowered all state employees to round up any people's encounter without proper U.S. immigration or national identity papers and hand them off to be shipped back across the border. Without proper training, a lot of Texas state employees that normally wouldn't be involved We'll be making a lot of mistaken identity arrests, and legal immigrants will end up stuck in per perpetual immigration limbo as a severely backlogged system will be tasked with even more people to sort out. Imagine being a green card holder or a naturalized citizen and getting arrested at a Walmart for not having your green card or proof of citizenship on you. This will be the new normal in Texas from now on. And to add to that, I read another story that a lot of Texas state employees saying they're not going to get involved with us. Even though they're supposed to be, they don't want no part of it. So, what's the plan? Well, apparently that is the plan. Make the Democrats look bad in the state of Texas and around the country to, to cost them the next national elections. Meanwhile, Governor Abbott continues to run Texas like his own private kingdom. 
The United States needs a stronger president than Joe Biden. He's a nice guy, but nice guys finish last when most Americans are only like movie stars, regardless of whether they can do the job or not. Where can they find another movie star non-MAGA candidate? No one like that seems to be stepping up to try for the job. The Republicans are out in front in the popularity contest right now, and that spells bad news for democracy in the United States by 2025 if that trend continues. Unless something really dramatic happens in the courts, it's strongly looking like Donald Trump might be the next Republican presidential candidate. None of his other Republican competition can touch him right now. The Democrats have a different problem. With Joe Biden being so unpopular and his vice president being even less so, the only other choices are really no choices at all. There is one Democratic challenger in, in, in name only. He's basically a non-issue. The other, the other issue is the third-party candidates. If they draw enough voters away from Joe Biden, Trump and, or some other MAGA candidate will win by default. And I read something here this morning that Jill Stein has put her hand in the ring uh, as a Green Party candidate. So there's even more third-party candidates trying to run for president right now. And that's going to hurt the Democrats. So if the current crop of Republicans take over the federal government, the rest of the world will suffer a loss. It can just, you can just about guarantee that trade wars and conflicts will ramp up if that happens. Civil rights will take a backseat, and free speech, along with unbiased journalism, will disappear. Constitution be damned, or done away with altogether. I found another writer on a different media platform that sums it all up for us. His article talks about all the ills and how just voting is not going to get the U.S. out of their current situation. Americans, once again, are being forced to vote for a lesser evil in the 2024 elections, much like recent elections in the past. It's entitled The Lesser Evils, The Ballot Box is Not Going to Save Us, by Jeff Dow in OK Doomer. And again, you know, I I got the link here. Um, You'll be able to read it if you catch a hold of the newsletter. So another news around the world, Iran is starting to make more noise now. Maybe they sense a weakness in the West. The American Pentagon is upset that Iranian-supported militias are providing near-continuous missile and drone strikes since the Gaza war started, and all Biden wants to do is bomb them with airplanes. Saudi Arabia's Aramco just found another major gas field in their southeastern region, making them even more wealthier. Saudi Arabia stands to lose too much if they get involved with the war in Gaza, so they're going to continue doing what they're doing and not make any noise at all, and that's let it go. Lebanon's Hezbollah is getting its year to engage the Israelis. If the United States goes to the far right, they will likely back out of any deals with everyone except Israel over religious ideology, leaving the door open for countries like Iran and China to fill the gap. COP28 is getting a lot of attention in anticipation of their global conference this month, especially since it is being run and hosted by a petrostate, Dubai, or the UAE in this case. With the richest of the Western countries not even coming close to the Paris Accords now, this conference is likely to be just for entertainment only. A lot of posturing and aggrandizement about how everyone should strive to do better, and they all go home to wash, rinse, and repeat as normal. If the Americans withdraw from the world after win- after the GOP wins the next elections, the Islamic militants will break out of their enclosures and turn the Middle East to a huge war zone in their attempt to destroy Israel. The Republicans will rush to defend Israel, and then we'll have another global war. 
China will become the new top-of-the-heap superpower and make even more aggressive moves in the Far East and Southeast. We all know what Putin will do in Eastern Europe. Enough said about that. As I mentioned in previous episodes, the United States has a logistics problem. Their armies and navies are having a hard time keeping up with all the police actions required of them by their government. Their military personnel and equipment are tired and worn out. They don't have any money anymore to keep it all up and running like they used to. Enlistments are way down, and troop strengths are less than what they used to be. If the U.S. had to go to war on a scale like World War II again, the world would get to see just how much of a paper tiger they really are now after the last 20 years of war. To exasperate all this even more, there is the global warming problem. Brazil reaching 138 plus degrees heat index in their spring season now. This breaks the 2 degrees Celsius threshold for a day that the scientist says was the top level of that life on Earth can withstand. And to be honest with you, I read another article here where they read that two days it broke the 2, de- two degrees Celsius threshold. So more countries will be feeling this phenomenon very soon. The northern hemispheres will have their turn next spring. Meanwhile, Australia is battling wildfires again. South Africa is feeling the heat. Antarctica is melting so fast. And so on it goes. We all know, deep down, that the climate destruction the world is experiencing right now is just beginning. We also know that on some level, that this is coming for us all in some fashion soon, no matter where we live in the world. We have known about it for decades, but only now we are starting to pay a little attention. Too little, too late now. If you think the wars we have going on now are bad, just wait. They will get worse as resources like food and water become scarcer in the more arid regions and more people die. As governments crumble because they can't feed their people, the people will go elsewhere to find food and water. The people with the food and water will not want to share. So there will be more wars. Little internal conflicts over illegal migrants have been happening for years. It will get a lot worse as the climate continues to warm up. You know, the, the, the people who study this stuff saying that once the world warms up past the point of of unlivability, millions and billions of people are going to be headed to the northern hemisphere. And, you know, you think we got conflict now? Just wait for it. So this is not a new thing for humanity. There have been famines and mega droughts in recent and ancient history that created massive human and animal migrations. The difference in the world now is 8 billion plus people. The planet is running out of room and resources to manage them. When the food and water run out, a mass die-off usually occurs. The humans haven't had to deal with that for tens of thousands of years, so those memories are mostly gone. The scientists who study things like this are sounding the alarm on mostly deaf ears. The rest of the human world could care less about something that happened hundreds of thousands of years ago. Humans live in the now. They are aware of the past, but it's usually memories of the last few days. Not much interest in anything before their own childhoods especially in the Western world of music concerts and national sports rivalries, social media, and latest fad on one of the social media platforms. There are very few governments that can afford to take care of major life-threatening climate disasters right now. Most of them are so far in debt to other countries that the slightest mega-disaster will wipe them out financially, the U.S. being one of them. Western Europe could likely ride out the storm for a while longer than most, but eventually, even they will succumb once enough damage is done. Canada may be able to hang on a little while longer than the U.S., but only if they send their military force to bolster their borders. Once the United States fails, 
A large portion of his citizens will rush the northern border by the thousands to escape the hell they let loose in their own country, much like what is happening on their southern border right now. The small Americans will flee the chaos of climate destruction, fascism, and head north, if they can. Imagine hundreds of thousands of American refugees and asylum seekers fleeing to other countries around the world. Right now, it's a trickle, but it will get much worse once the food and water run out and this democracy is gone. Bye-bye. If this sounds like something out of a science fiction novel, you are wrong. There have been many stories written in decades past of just such scenarios, but now these fictional stories are on the verge of becoming reality especially if Donald Trump or one of his proxies is voted into the White House. I recently published such a fictional story myself called The Fugitive in the United States, about a son of immigrant parents on the run in the United States that has now become a white theocracy. If anyone knows of any evangelical Christians, you probably have heard them talking about the rapture and the end of times more and more lately as prophesied in their Bible in the last chapter called Revelations. This chapter is about the return of their prophet and the rise of the Antichrist in the Middle East. Is this prophecy about to come true? We already have a, a majority of the four apocalyptic horsemen riding, riding the world. War, famine, and pestilence come to mind. Death is starting to show on horizon. Will the white horse and rider be the savior or the Antichrist? More li most likely the war in Gaza will end in one way or another. In the first scenario... They'll clear out what's left of the Palestinians and declare that they are the new caretaker government in Gaza. But only if they can root out Hamas altogether and break their backs, so to speak. Which doesn't seem likely, given how things are turning out. And there's been prediction about that, too, that this four-day ceasefire may be more beneficial to Hamas than Israel. Than Israel. The second most likely scenario, Israel is drawn into a protracted hit-and-run war with Hamas draining their resources and the will of the people. That's not something Israel wants or can afford. The U.S. is already showing signs of stepping back a little bit due to the large amount of public opinion regarding a ceasefire and rendering of human aid. Well, as I mentioned, this has taken place as we speak. If the U.S. steps back, so will most of the Western world, and Israel needs that support lifeline. Without it, Netanyahu's government may fail and be held to account for war crimes, much like Serbia back in the 1990s. As far as the West Bank settlers, without the support of the central government, they may have a problem with their ethnic cleansing program and be held accountable too. There are already rumors and predictions that Israel may just get away with everything with a little help from their Western friends, namely the U.S. With the planet getting hotter and hotter every year, things are going to get pretty rough for the humans that survive all the wars, pestilence, and death. Famine and disease and dehydration will take out majority of the poorest. As history tells us, when humans get stressed out about survival, they go to war with one another and on a tribal basis until only a few tribes are left. I cite the tribes of Mesopotamia, Rome, the Persian and Ottoman empires, and so on throughout human history. Tribes of man are doing it all over again as the stress of climate destruction continues to get worse and worse every year. According to a lot of new reports coming out, not many in government seem to care enough to devote their energies to doing something about it for the future generations. Live in the now with this generation making themselves rich and comfortable and not getting in too big of a hurry to deal with leaving a planet for future generations to live on. Wars are profitable for a certain few people around the world. 
climate destruction only happens to the poorest of the humans, and so on, is the rhetoric that's going on. This is probably mankind's future going forward. Wars, pestilence, and death for the poorest humans until a rich run out of people to take care of the menial things they took for granted, like growing food. Maybe another science fiction scenario will happen. The poor and hungry will kill off the rich humans and put everything back into equilibrium with the planet once again. That could happen, since there probably won't be a lot of humans left to control the ecosystems anymore or fight any more global conflicts. The humans might not have to revert back to hunter-gatherers again, but it might get close to that. If so, let's hope they have learned their lesson by then and not let history repeat itself way in the future. Maybe it won't come to that. I hope the humans can get their act together to avoid going back to that type of life. Whatever happens, I'll be long gone and forgotten by then. I'm optimistic at times, and I'd like to think that the humans will finally get it together and save the ecosystem from themselves in a very near future. If not, maybe they don't deserve to be in the top spot in the animal kingdom anymore. So I'll leave you with something to think about. If the humans were to die out of their own avarice, how much of the planet will they take with them when they go? Who would replace them at the top of the animal kingdom food chain? What species will be left, if any, to take over the top spot? So, I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving holiday. I don't celebrate Thanksgiving myself because of the where it came from or what it meant. But that's my, that's my personal thing. Everybody else is going to be gathering up for the holidays and visiting family and all kinds of stuff. Um, I won't be doing any of that. But that's okay. Again, that's my personal thing. I wish everybody well. I hope you enjoy your holiday weekend. And I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and you'll return again for another episode of the Village Oak Tree. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more you share, the more we can convince enough people to make the world a better place to live in. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the Village Oak Tree today. As a Shauna Kay, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you something that might bring you a smile or make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May you live as long as you want and never want as long as you live. Schlange foil, which means goodbye for now in Irish.